Welcome to the Happy, Healthy, Strong podcast. Our goal is to educate and empower listeners on their journey to a happier, healthier, and stronger life with a focus on holistic and natural healing. This podcast is meant for educational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. Thank you for joining us. Now let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Happy, Healthy, Strong podcast. I'm Paige here again with Dr. Alex, and today we're going to continue our discussion on the basics of functional health and how Dr. Alex helps his clients. Last week, we talked about how the functional health approach wants to remove the cause of a person's health issue. So Dr. Alex, can you dive into more of that and help us understand what you mean by underlying cause? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this kind of approach of of removing the cause, I'm sure that that makes sense to people. Um, just should make common sense to people that if something's causing um, something else, that if you remove that cause and whatever it's causing should go away. Um, but this approach to health is really based off of a kind of a principle that it comes even before that. And that principle, as we mentioned in you know the previous episodes of we believe, and I think there's plenty of evidence to show that this is accurate, that the human body just has this amazing ability to self-heal, self-regulate, um, or maintain what's called homeostasis, or just proper um, cell function. So the only time that it moves away from this homeostatic state is when something stresses it, causes it to move away from that homeostatic state. So removing the cause really is just figuring out, okay, what's moved the body away from homeostasis. What happens when you move the body away from homeostasis is the body adapts and adaptive physiology or what, how the body adapts is what we tend to call signs and symptoms, right? So an easy explanation of that is high blood pressure. Most people hear high blood pressure. They, they get told by the doctor that they have high blood pressure. They think that that's a, a symptom of disease. They think that that's a, something that, that the body's doing wrong. But really, high blood pressure most of the time is because the body is experiencing some sort of a stress, and now it's moved away from homeostasis, and that high blood pressure is trying to move it back into homeostasis. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so, which is, again, one of the crazy reasons of if you're just trying to address symptoms, and I'm lowering blood pressure, you're actually working against what the human body's trying to accomplish by moving it back into homeostasis. Right. There's a reason. Right. It kind of reminds me, I was just um, thinking about when kids have a fever, the fever is there to actually yeah. fight off the infection fever, and then people fever just want to get it one. down. Yeah. And again, th- back to the removing of s- suffering, right? If a, if a child's suffering, I understand um, why parents are wanting to give the child something to bring the fever down, but you're right. The fever is there for a purpose. The fever, the body's trying to do something. It's not because the body has went wrong and there's some sort of a malfunction. It's proper function to raise the the temperature. Um, And we don't need to dive into why the human body does that, but it's there for a purpose. So yes, giving something to bring the fever down could relieve suffering, but it's actually working against what the human body wants to do. So then you kind of have to weigh, okay, what's more important? Do I want the human body to do what it's supposed to do or do I want to try to bring down the fever. So yeah, so the cause thing is we, we got to figure out what's moved the body away from homeostasis. Instead of just saying, what's the symptom, let's treat it. 
is when we ask the question of why is this symptom happening, that's kind of getting at the cause. So what's the cause? Well, we should ask the next question is what's the stressor, right? And something that I learned from a, a chiropractor, his name is Dr. James, James Chestnut. Um, he tries to simplify that whole thing. And he says, really all cause to symptoms or what we know as disease process is toxicity or deficiency, meaning the human body's toxic with something that it doesn't need or it's deficient with something that the body does need, right? So we all know, know that the body needs oxygen. We have to have oxygen in order to breathe. So if you were deficient of oxygen, then you would die, right? Yeah. So that's kind of the ultimate disease state. You've moved away from homeostasis so much, you've overcome the body's ability to survive, and now you've, now you've passed. So that's deficiency part. Or toxicity, we probably all can understand. If you take, if you just drink poison, that's going to overcome the human body's ability to function, you're going to die, right? So that's kind of an extreme version of toxicity. The lack of oxygen would be extreme version of deficiency. Those two things are pretty much everything else falls under those two categories. It's either toxicity or it's even deficiency. So at the, the gym, New City Fitness that I'm um, co-owner of, we've kind of tried to simplify that even more. And we say in order to obtain health, the human body, you have to give the body what it needs, stay away from what it doesn't, right? So we kind of get rid of the toxicity deficiency part just to simplify it, say, just give the body what it needs, stay away from what it doesn't, right? And then we have all these other principles that say, here's what the body actually needs. Here's what the body doesn't need to help people understand that. Going a step further than that, if, the, if toxicity and deficiency are the, the two main things that move the body away from homeostasis, then we have to kind of define what those toxicity and deficiencies are. Um, and I try to just label those under three categories, and those are three different types of stressors. So stressors move the body away from homeostasis. There's toxicity stressors, there's efficiency stressors, and the three types are physical, so physical stress, chemical, or emotional, mental, you know, those three things. And I'm currently on a break from Palmer College of Chiropractic's homecoming where I'm doing some continuing education. The first two hours I sat in a lecture about the history of chiropractic. And so we went through a lot of D.D. Palmer, who's the guy who founded chiropractic. And he came up with those three things a long time ago, um, in, you know, late 1800s. And he labeled them as three T's. And this is something we learned in chiropractic philosophy is thoughts, traumas, and toxins. Those are the three things. So thoughts, again, the emotional piece, traumas, the physical piece, toxins, the, the chemical piece. Sure. Right. So this is, so, this is, I didn't come up with this, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is something <laughs> that people, you know, people in the healthcare field trying to get people healthy have, have thought through for a long time now. So those three stressors are the things that would be considered underlying causes. So the, f the functional approach, again, with those three phases of relieve suffering, build health, r remove the cause, mm -hmm. we're always looking for, okay, what are the stressors in your life? What are the physical, chemical, emotional stressors in your life that if we can find them and remove them, then now your body's going to get back to that homeostatic state. It's going to get back to healing and functioning the way the body was created to function. Okay. So can you give some like tangible examples of each type of stressor that people maybe can relate to? Yeah, absolutely. So if we think about um, let's just start with emotional stress. So uh, this is maybe something ongoing. Maybe you are at a job that's, you don't enjoy. That's just, Been there. <laughs> yeah, th that you either don't enjoy because it's boring or, um, it's just not, you're not able to, uh, use your gifts that you were given. Um, or you might be in a, 
so I would say that's more of like a deficiency, right? You're going into that job and you want to experience joy. You want to work hard, right? You want to serve people, all these things that you kind of look for from um, an emotional perspective and you're not getting it. So that's something that the body does need that the body thrives on, but you're not getting it. That would be kind of considered an emotional stressor. On the other side of that, sticking within the same emotional, if you have a job, maybe there is opportunity for that, but then your boss is, you know, a jerk and it's the, the, the people that you're working with are always talking about stuff that's toxic. You know, that would be a kind of a toxic form of an emotional stressor. You're listening to stuff, you're watching stuff, you're seeing people do stuff that's just not, that's negatively affecting you emotionally, yeah. relationally, mm -hmm. right? Um, those would be kind of examples of, of emotional stressors. And of course, a big one. So that's kind of an ongoing thing, right? I, I have to go into my work every day and experience this. Another one could be if you lose a loved one, you know, let's say somebody were to, a husband, spouse or someone were to die in a car accident, right? That's an emotional trauma that happens. And that's a stressor that's going to negatively affect your physiology. That's doing something internally that moves you away from, from homeostasis. But then that can also turn into something that's ongoing, right? If you're not grieving properly, that's going to be an ongoing stressor. So that's that, there's that one um, one-time thing that happened, the death, and then there's the grief that if it's not done properly, it's going to be continue to be a, yeah. a ne negative experience. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's a hard one. So those are kind of some examples of emotional um, stressors. Uh, chemical stressor, uh, again, we, we mentioned the poison thing, right? Hopefully nobody's drinking poison, but that could be something. But this would be um, if you're eating foods that are full of pesticides, right? If you're eating foods that are... Um, full of something called glyphosate, which is the, involved with the whole genetically modified stuff. Um, if you're eating things with preservatives, yeah. additives, um, Coloring. colorings, yeah. these are all chemicals that, yeah, maybe if you eat, you know, a Skittle that has a bunch of colorings and st bad stuff in it, it's not going to move you away from homeostasis too much. The body can adapt pretty easily and get back to it, right? But if you're doing that all the time and then you have other chemicals coming at you, that's going to build up and now you're, you're building up a lot of chemical toxicity, you know? So one of the things we teach people is looking at personal care products. So if you're, you know, brushing your teeth with toxic toothpaste, you're washing your body with toxic soap, you're putting on toxic deodorant, you're using toxic hairspray and makeup. That's a lot of toxic load that you're adding to your body. These are things that weren't intended to come into the body in high amounts some of them weren't intended to come in the body at all. Um, so now you're asking the body to do a lot to adapt. And eventually it can just get overcome. And on its way to being overcome, you're, you're going to be moving away from homeostasis and you're going to be symptomatic. Right. Yeah. We call that body burden with all, when yeah. you all the toxins and stuff. Yeah. Because with um, like females especially, you would not believe with all the makeup and the hair products and just the fragrances and things like mm -hmm. I think I've read a stat that says females like the average female uses about 500 different chemicals on their body every day. Yeah. And most people don't realize like when you put something on your skin, the skin is just full of pores and it yeah. does absorb like it's like 60% or something of everything you put on it. Mm -hmm. So it's just because it's on the outside of your body, some people think they're fine, but it really right. does seep into your bloodstream. And right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and we're in a time now um, 
I mean, we're filming this in 2021 where we're still in what they're calling a pandemic. Mm, um, yes. And we're kind of being almost forced to put a bunch of chemicals all over our hands everywhere we go. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. And again, there's, if you don't want to get exposed to a germ, put hand sanitizer all over your hands, right? Because it's going to kill the germ. You're, you're maybe potential, potentially stopping that one thing, getting the, the, the um, virus, um, getting exposed to the virus. But what are you doing also by putting that san- hand sanitizer all yeah, over your hands, all right? all the chemical, the fragrance, every yeah. preservatives. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's a, chemi- there's a chemical aspect of that, of the chemicals that are in the hand sanitizer are getting inside you, right? But then also something that we've learned in the past 20, 25 years is that there's, a, there's things that live in us and there's things that live on us. So there's bacteria that live in us, in us and on us. So when you're putting it all over your hands to protect yourself against maybe one pathogen, one virus, that's not the only virus that's in the world. And there's a lot of good things about pathogens. So you're also eliminating all of that. So that could be also fall under the, the kind of the chemical toxicity right. of eliminating stuff that's supposed to be on us, oh. supposed to be in us. By or a again. deficiency of good bacteria. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of hits both of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the chemical one is huge. Um, since really the industrial revolution, revolution, um, the FDA has just allowed chemical after chemical after chemical to be uh, approved. And it's just, there's thousands in our environment. And people just like blindly trust that if the government says it's approved, then it's fine. Yeah, because unfortunately they they look at it, um, they have kind of a myopic view of, you know, what are you using this chemical for? And if that can produce good, they tend to forget about and miss all, okay, well, is it safe? And if they do any sort of safety, it's typically short-term stuff, right? They'll kind of, let's test this for, you know, short-term and see if it negatively affects somebody. And if the negative effects aren't that big of a deal, then we're we're just going to allow it. So there's never really any sort of extremely long-term. When I'm saying long-term, I mean, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. Who knows if something's going to negatively affect somebody that long. Um, That's not done. Um, And they have kind of a limit as long as it doesn't negative effect people too bad then we're going to allow it so yeah those are all forms of again um, chemical chemical stressors that could come into the body another big one um, is and this is kind of can fall underneath physical when we get to physical um, but it could also be a chemical if you are exposed to some what's called biotoxin like so if you were to get uh, bit by a tick you know they can give off this toxin in them and that's what leads to what we know of as Lyme's disease. So that toxin that they give off is a chemical that gets it inside you into your bloodstream and then can cause this disease process, right? Mold would be another one. If you're exposed to mold all day long, there's chemicals, they're called mycotoxins that can get inside your body and wreak havoc. You know, it just starts to move your body away from homeostasis because the immune system's always like, I gotta find this, I gotta kill it. It's always on, you know, looking it's it's looking for something to kill so it's kind of overactive and you know that's gonna make you symptomatic you know lead into what we call symptoms and disease so and then the last one is the physical trauma um some of this is easy right if you have a fall and you break your arm that's a physical trauma um big car accidents those are physical traumas um surgery you know i i see a, a lot of people actually that when i'm going through their health history um, they've had five or six different surgeries. 
some of them have had like five or six different surgeries on the same part of the body. Oof, right. Yeah. And that's a, that's a traumatic experience, you know, so that can bring its own, um, issues. Um, this would also be if, if you're like, n if you're not exercising, not moving, we know the body needs to move, um, in order to uh, be healthy. If you're not doing, that's a physical stressor. You not giving the body what it needs, right? So you're, it's a deficiency of movement. That's a physical stressor. Um, if you're not sleeping well, the body needs sleep. The body needs rest. That's a deficiency. That's a physical stressor. So all of these things, um, again, maybe by themselves don't cause huge health issues, right? You probably can't say, oh, this person's um, their only problem, again, back, I don't know why I'm using Skittles, but the only thing they're doing is eating Skittles. You probably aren't going to get that person. You're not going to be able to show, okay, this disease process that they have is because they're eating Skittles. Right. But it's just a combination of all of these things, right? Yeah. And then just think about kind of the standard American lifestyle. You know, people aren't moving. So there's that lack of movement. There's physical stressors. They don't know how to move. So they're bending over, picking up stuff, and they don't know how to do that, right? They're sitting all day long. And it's so not only are they not moving, they're also sitting and putting their body into bad posture. That's all happening. Then they're, you know, eating terrible food. They're eating a bunch of sugar and bad fat and um, chemicals and stuff. They're probably sleep deprived, especially if they're working long hours or different, you know, different shifts. They've put chemicals all over their body, right? They're stressed out at work. They have bad relationships. And then we wonder why the United States is one of the sickest countries in the entire planet. Right. You know, it all it's the lifestyle yeah. that we that we live. When you find like a physical stressor in one of your clients and you address it or just start to, you know, address it and remove it, is that person cured of their disease or whatever they <laughs> came to you for? Yeah, I wish I wish that was the case. Um Sometimes I, I think you could say, yeah, sometimes there's a big enough stressor in, in, um, that's happening with somebody's body that it's um, highly correlated with the symptoms that they're having. So if we can remove it. So the easiest, we were talking about this before we started uh, recording, was there an example? Um, and I, I thought of this example, but we kind of used it last week or last show. So I didn't want to use it again. But the easiest one is if you think about the disease process of type 2 diabetes, mm -hmm. right? It's too much sugar in the blood. Now, there's a number of different reasons why somebody has sugar in the blood. But the simplest reason why somebody has sugar in the blood is because they're taking in too much sugar, right? So right. if we just remove that toxin, yeah, then the sugar comes down and that person gets better, right? So Seems that's one of the... pretty <laughs> simple. <laughs> it does seem pretty simple. Um, we tend to, to complicate it too much. But most of the time, no, that's not... Like, even if we find big... So like, even if I were to find mold in somebody's body, Depending on when we found that, there's a bunch of stuff that's happened downstream, right? Because the body is always trying to get better. So the body adapts, and then and sometimes that adaptation looks like a symptom, right? So they have some type of symptom. And then so we would need to address that symptom. So the kind of layers that need to be worked through. But if we can remove that cause, that's the necessary thing in order for the, the healing to happen. So if we addressed all these symptoms, maybe they would get better from that particular symptom, but because the underlying cause is still there, they never get fully better. And then other things start to happen, you know, because we've never actually addressed the, the underlying cause. So kind of an analogy um, that, again, back to the, the James Chestnut guy, he talks about just to help people understand the wellness model. Um, 
in research, specifically in medicine, the what's called a randomized control trial is kind of the, the highest level of research to basically say, you can't really say something works in medicine or in healthcare unless there's some sort of a randomized controlled trial that shows. And what that means is they take a group of people, um, they take that, that they give whatever, let's say they're trying to help high blood pressure, right? So they'd say, these 50 people are going to get this blood pressure medication, and then we're going to have a control group that doesn't get the blood pressure medication, and then we're going to watch them over a certain amount of time. And then if the people that gave, were given the medication, their blood pressure drops and the control group blood pressure doesn't drop, then therefore this medication works, right? So yep. that's kind of the randomized. And the random means these people don't know they're getting the medication. These people don't know they're not getting the medication. And the people giving the medication don't know who they're giving the medication to, okay. right? So they so try totally to keep it as random, random as possible, yeah. right? So he tells this, um, he gives this analogy where he says you have, you have uh, two groups and we're talking about plants, right? So you have two groups of plants that are wilting, they're dying, right? And you give this group of plants water, and then you give this group of plants no water, and then you watch them over a course of time. And at the end of the trial, so that's random, right? That's controlled, a control group and an uncontrolled group. Mm -hmm. At the end of the trial, both of them continue to wilt. So then the, the, the conclusion of the, the trial would be water doesn't work. Plant, plants don't need water to help them with wilting. Right, but we've known for thousands of years how to take care of plants. Plants right, need water, they, right? Yeah, yeah. So then he's like, okay, well, maybe the plant didn't just need water. The plant also needed sunlight, right? right? So then you got to make four groups, right? You got to say, okay, here, this, this group gets water and sun. This group just gets sun. This group just gets water. This group gets none, right? You do another trial. At the end of the trial, all four groups continue to wilt. So he's like, oh, now, now sun or water. Mm -hmm. nor water works right, for, right, for right. wilting plants, yeah. right? So it's just, it, it, what he's trying to show there is if you do research that's based off of treatment and disease, like one thing works for whatever the issue is, then yeah, that the wellness model, the lifestyle model is not going to work. The f what we'd say the functional health approach is not going to work. But if you understand that the health is all about giving the body what it needs and staying away from what it doesn't, then even if you do a trial that says water and sunlight didn't actually change the wilting, that doesn't mean that they're not good for the body, right? So to answer your question is once we find an underlying cause and remove it, that's part of the healing, but there might also be other underlying causes, right? There might be even secondary causes to why somebody continues to not get fully healthy. So the functional approach is let's try to help them with the suffering, try to address some of the symptoms that they're having, Let's build health. Let's get them exercising. Let's get them eating well. Let's get them looking at toxicity, minimizing that coming in. Let's get them thinking about their emotional health. Let's get them sleeping properly. And let's continue to look for more underlying causes. And if we can find all those things and they can build health, they can live the proper lifestyle for long enough, that's when somebody actually gets healthy and yeah. can stay healthy. Okay. Yeah, yeah that yeah. makes sense. There's a yeah. lot, lot of components to it lot that we interact with in our daily lifestyle that all these little interactions kind yeah. of take a toll and have an effect on our health at the end of the day absolutely all right well thank you everyone for joining us we hope that this was a blessing to you um follow us on social media at happy healthy strong podcast and share this with your friends see you next time